Good evening. You are listening to a Radiligion Broadcasting <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radilage. <laughs> tonight, our favorite show what is... What is happening right now? <laughs> I, I mime his intro because it makes him do that. Oh, because I can't keep my shit together. <laughs> It amuses me so much. Well, here's the thing. Normally, because he's just only on Damn You Hollywood, he'll will do that. But I'm used to that one, and it, and it cracks me up. But I can usually get through the intro. I didn't expect him to pull it out for TV party. Wait until you see what I have for Wednesday. <laughs> Welcome to the Metal Hammer. Oh, I have a sledgehammer. Perfect. I'm, I have a prop for that, actually. I'm gonna we're just going to cut to Robert. He's going to be sitting on a throne with his sledgehammer and his... Conan cosplay. And then Cody Rhodes comes out from behind me to whine. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes, everybody. We've our, got favorite, our favorite show is The Legend of Vox Machina, brought to you by the Critical Role Productions people and Amazon Prime Video. Uh, the Legend of Vox Machina is an animated fantasy show uh, that started streaming on January 28th of 2022. It's based on campaign one of the Dungeons and Dragons web series, Critical Role. It stars Laura Bailey, uh, Taliesin Jaffe, Allison, Ashley Johnson, Matthew Mercer, Liam O'Brien, Marisha Ray, Sam Rigel, Travis Willingham, and they are all reprising their roles from Critical Role's first Of campaign. all the names in that cast I expected you to botch, it wasn't Sam Regal. Yeah, I was going to say, wow. Did I say Sam Rigel? Rigel. Yeah. <laughs> Samwise Gamgee. Got it. Um, good enough for it, me. Interesting hey, look, you nailed no- Talison, so good for you. Thank yeah. you. The yeah, first, you did. The first 10 of 12 of these episodes were actually funded by a Kickstarter campaign. And <laughs> joining me tonight, uh, who couldn't wait for me to get through that intro, um, <laughs> Harris, <laughs> Harry Broad- Broadhurstus Interruptus, uh, as I like to call him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen... Ronnie Adams, the misfit and miscreant. Wait, How do you do, wait, sir? wait, wait. How did I interrupt you? It was a collective effort. You know, <laughs> you were like the you were like the the uh, the heart foundation of interrupting. You know, there was Robert, the the hitman, doing all the work, and then there was Ronnie Adams to, <laughs> to just hold up somebody while Bret Hart hit him. You're, with the you're really reaching right now. By the you, way, you the, really are. Although I am, I am going to now refer to you as Ronnie the Anvil. <laughs> I don't I don't like that. Okay. <laughs> okay, you guys say I'm reaching. You guys can reach these nuts. Hey Ronnie Adams of the Mystery Mystery. No, my arms aren't that long. <laughs> How you doing tonight, sir? I'm Peach King Jelly Bean. How are you? Oh, I'm just Ducky. And yeah. <laughs> joining us also is my brother from another mother and my co-host on Damn You Hollywood. Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from 401 Mania's MMA page where he toils. It's Robert in obscurity. In obscurity. I just toil. I toil in obscurity. <laughs> uh, if you're on Twitter and you're just minding your own business, he will he will come at you for no good reason. Ladies and gentlemen, it's I Robert Winfrey. The block. 
Yeah, you do. Not We're... like no, I am not from Bmore. I don't aim. I just spray. <laughs> Damn it! I can't do. I can't. I can't do the line. It's, it's hurting me. It's giving me an aneurysm. I am aware. Ro <laughs> Robert Winfrey, everybody. How do you do, sir? I am doing well. I'm very glad to be here. I need this podcast in so many ways because I had to watch the worst thing I've seen all year uh, we'll earlier about, this week, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Yes, we'll talk but about it tomorrow. This you is a Mark, Mark bathing. No, I would rather. I I'm would about rather to walk off this podcast and let you guys do it, and I'll just come back in an hour and be like, "Plugs." Uh, I, I, again, I'll t it's for the movie review podcast. But watch the worst thing ever, and I have been recharging my uh, creative. Yeah, my creative batteries have needed a serious recharge after that, so this will help, and I'm glad to be here. Ronnie Adams, yeah, misfit and miscreant, the dungeon master, if you will. So. A ways back, we've talked about this before, but it bears repeating to, to get into the story. You were like, hey, I'd like to dabble in podcasting. And I'm like, great. Here's 20 shows I need you for. I took no, no, no. All. Here are 20 shows that no one else wants to do. No, no. Here's 20 <laughs> shows. 19 of them I took from Sean and Alexis. So... <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Touche, um, sir. And he, they're, I'm, I'm going to need you to split these with Jason. He wants to do more shows, too. <laughs> That's what really happened. Oh, no. Hey, that's cloud. Anyway, um, and so after all of that, you said, you know, I've been doing all of these shows that I don't want to do for you. Is it possible maybe we could <laughs> we can get one that I'd like to do? And I was like, if you if you insist, uh, I didn't yeah. realize this was the Ronnie Adams and Broadcasting Network. So. <laughs> that's and because every time I ask to be on a show, you're like, oh, no, this person has it. Oh, no, this person that. Oh, I somebody breathed it into existence so they already called it so i'm just like well okay i can't help it jason called shows for this year last j june that's not my fault two junes ago <laughs> yeah but well, he called them for he called them for 2021 but when they all got moved back like <laughs> <laughs> yeah so anyway you came to me and you were like hey i i before i go on vacation i want to do this this fantasy show called the legend of vox machina and i was like Sure. I don't even know what this is. And he was like, okay, let me tell you what this is and why it's important to me. So I'm going to let you talk about that, Ronnie. Why are we here tonight and why were you insistent we do this show? So I've I've loved tabletop gaming for a long time and I love Dungeons and Dragons. And, and within the past five years, I started DMing again. Uh, I say past five, but it's been about three years. Um, I actually walked, I, I DM'd all through the pandemic. We, we switched online, stuff like that. I say, I guess it's closer to four or five now. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it was one of those things where like, it was a very, 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 very good creative outlet for me. And, uh, when I started doing, it, I was very unsure of myself, uh, until I found certain media outlets for that. I didn't even know they had, they had actual play podcasts and actual play shows, uh, you know, streams of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, one of them uh, just happened to be Critical Role. And I started watching it and it had uh, people that I recognize, voice actors, and uh, a couple of voice actors that are also child actors. Um, one being Talzin Jaffe. Talzin Jaffe is uh, the kid from the youngest, I think, yeah, not the youngest, but the youngest male, the youngest boy uh, in the family in Mr. Mom who had the whoopee. Uh, oh, that, he, that kid? Yeah, that's that's Talzin Jaffe. Okay. Um, 
and then uh and then ashley uh uh ashley was in uh family ties or no family matters nope oh she was in one of those shows <laughs> okay <I can't, I can't. laughs> there was a family in the name there yeah, was family in the name. there were a uh, lot of them yeah there was a whole <laughs> lot of them um but uh you know she also did uh the lead voice in the last of us uh both you know last of us and last of us part two um i recognize uh even though i didn't realize i recognize matthew mercer who's the dm from the billions of things that he's been in uh, he's voiced and that man has voiced a lot of things in his day uh as far as video games and and uh, uh animated uh epics and uh, a lot of anime that has come over and they've dubbed english over he's done a lot of work on that um, so I was watching it and they absolutely just had a blast playing the game mm-hmm. and, and they, and they showed everybody. And then another one I listened to was called, um, uh, uh, the adventure zone with, uh, my brother, my brother and me, the McElroy brothers and their dad. Um, so them being from Huntington, West Virginia and me going to college in West, uh, you know, Huntington, West Virginia, I was like, holy crap. I used to kind of know these guys. I knew of them. Uh, so they have, you know, successful podcasts out the Yang, but one of the most important uh, successful ones is where they just sit around and play D and D with their dad. And I thought that's brilliant. I mean, that's amazing. So when I was cutting my teeth on DMing, that's who I would go to. I would go to Griffin McElroy and Matthew Mercer. And then I started, you know, spreading my wings a little bit going into not another D and D podcast. And then like getting down and watching Chris Perkins DM, uh, Satine Phoenix and Deborah Ann wall, and all these different people that I didn't know DM'd and played, I watched them. And really what brought me through that was I sat down and I watched a four-hour episode of Critical Role. And I will always hold that show dear because of that. Now, am I what they call a critter? Uh, one of these diehard, you know, born-in-the-wool fans? No, uh, I, I can't say that because there are parts of it that I don't like. Um, and that's just the writing, you know, not writing. They don't write anything. That's just how, you know, I don't like some of the characters that they choose. I don't like this. I don't like that. That doesn't mean that it's still, it's still amazing and fun to watch. It's just, it's like, pfft, I don't give a crap about it. Okay. Uh, and I hate to say it like that, but there are parts of it where like I was invest. Okay. I became invested in the romantic um, relationship between two characters played by husband and wife. And I was like about everything else. I didn't give a crap about. I was like, do these characters get together? in this campaign and it said you know they had my answer and i was like okay well how's the rest of it end you know and that's it brought me back into it again so it's it's one of those things where like they tell an amazing story and that's what i want to do when i dm is i want to tell amazing story with the people that i that are at my table Uh, i just want to tell good stories and have fun and uh so that's why i like this and when i heard that they were by my my favorite campaign there they have played so far has been campaign one and it's just because i like the characters so much in it and um and when i heard they were doing the briarwood arc from campaign one and turning it into an animated series i was like oh my gosh is this going to work well they took the kickstarter and um with kickstarter i think it was uh gosh it was funded in minutes Wow. And it was like the number one highest um, series, like uh, like kickstarted series. They were going for uh, like seven hundred fifty grand and blew it out of the water with like seventeen million. 
Wow. Yeah, or, or seven million had, or something like that. It was crazy. They had the record. They had the record for like as far as it's related to creative kickstarters yeah until about three weeks ago when brandon sanderson did something utterly insane and yeah that dude wrote five novels last year because yeah. that's, what he, that's what he did when he was locked down like this guy already has an insane output and just in my spare time i wrote five novels god i so, I, I burn with envy at that man's ability to just write um, but the legend of Vox Machina was one of those things. Yeah, it was, um, uh, it started off as critical role, the legend of Vox Machina, Machina animated special, and they made enough money to make it a series. Holy crap. That's already been greenlit for series for season two. So they wanted 750 grand. They got 11,385,449. So they crushed, absolutely crushed their, their goal, and they were, like, blown away by this. So now that they've done this, um, they've taken this small they, – they were, they were playing the game for three years before they even started streaming it. They started with a, pla with a game called Pathfinder, which is based off of – and everybody's going to be like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. It's based off of D&D, &D, Dungeons & Dragons um, 3.5, the edition 3.5. So, or three and 3.5. There are different editions of Dungeons and Dragons. And then they were playing Pathfinder. And then when they started streaming, they were like, well, let's switch to fifth edition D&D because it translates a little better. And it's a little easier on everybody because it is. It's very rules, um, like rule of cool at times. You can just say, well, that doesn't really say that in rules, but let's see how it works. Mm. And that's how I like to play it. And then, um, so they went to that and uh, it just, you know, it was like, holy crap, this is amazing. So when they they got this funded, they you know they they they've got Critical Role LLC, um, they've got non uh, uh, they've got uh, uh, nonprofit organizations raising money for schools and and things like that now, and it's just like holy crap, this started from a real house game, and it's blown up, you know, and they still just play a game on Thursday nights, they just they still just play, and they they write characters that they're interested in. And or they make up characters they're interested in. And they roll dice and they're like they hope nothing bad happens to their character that they made, <laughs> and if it does, they make another one and continue playing a game. I was like, that's the best. That is absolutely the best that anybody could hope for coming out of a crap, you know, crazy little great game that they're playing, uh, you know, while slamming beer and Mountain Dew and everything else. And I was just like, that's amazing. So that's why I hold critical role. Um, Things like you know the, the 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 creative heart of Critical Role dear to my heart because that's how creative I want to be with my game, and that's okay. you know I don't I don't think I'll ever ever be a tenth as successful as them. I don't pretend to be uh, to to hope that, but it's just you know if you can put a little bit of positivity out in the world with that, why not do it? Okay, so so you came to me and you were like, we got to talk about this show. I, you're clearly very passionate about it and. I think if there's one thing I do throughout, I, one unifying factor of the Rattle Engine Broadcasting Network is that I want to have conversations with people who are passionate about stuff. I don't have to be. I don't have to like it. <laughs> what I do is I want to hear what you like, and I want to talk to you about it and kind of peek inside your noodle and see where see where the sauce lies. Sure. Um, speaking of people's noodles and sauces, um, once, <laughs> once, 
I had said, uh, I think I put it out on Twitter that we were going to be doing um, the Legend of Vox Machina when I came back from my vacation. Robert Winfrey, who volunteered to moderate a debate between Pat and I over The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and has been hostage in my basement ever since. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was the candy in the back of the van. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And I said, hey, th that was a fun conversation. Robert, you want to talk about Maleficent? And he went, wait, what now? Ah! Um, and then, you know, eight years later, here we are, still doing Danny Hollywood against his will. Grab said, him by the top of the head, pull him <laughs> in the van. Said to me, now listen here, Mac. I've never asked you for nothing, see? But I'm coming on this podcast, see? And you can't stop me. This is, this is all I've ever wanted out of life. Your Robert cagney is awful. <laughs> it's not great. I, I wasn't. Also, just to correct the record, I didn't say I. I didn't say I never ask you for anything because that's not true. I said I all. I said I rarely ask you for anything. It's true. Um, but so I you, did want to be on this show. Yeah, you were clearly passionate about this too, and you were like, "Listen, normally I don't horn in on your other shows if not directly invited or asked or anything, but I really want to do this." So, Robert, give me just a couple of minutes on what inspired you to tackle me on Twitter and like Tigger and, and demand to be here tonight. Okay. We all know I'm Eeyore. Let's just let's set that aside. <laughs> we all know it. With a tack in your ass. Full of sawdust and my tail keeps falling off. <laughs> um, I wanted to be on this show mostly because of, believe it or not, I, I, I wanted to get your take on this. Okay. And that's going to sound a little bit weird, but kind of bear with me on this. And all right, let me, maybe I should just set up my bona fides first, because I'm about to speak critically about a thing that, uh, Ronnie, you've, by your own admission, you don't self-identify as one of the fans, necessarily. I'm a fan, but I'm not that deep no, no, into no, it. I, yeah, I, I'm not a I, critter. I, yeah. I get what you mean. I have. I actually legitimately have been drinking out of this mug for a while. It is their mug. I have a couple of shirts, but I'm not like, uh, I don't cosplay as them. I don't exactly, you know, model my entire DM style after him like people do. I borrow from him. I borrow from a lot of people, which what that's what DMs do. But um, no, I'm not a critter at all. I bring that up because there's a degree of the fandom around critical role. And you can argue how much of it it is, and I'm not here to debate that, but there's a significant chunk of it that is, and I hate this phrase, let me be clear about this, but it's the best way I can describe it. It is toxically positive. Okay. Everything is great. Positive. Everything is great. Everything's the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. And yeah. How dare you? And you can't talk about anything, believe it or not, because how dare you spoil it for someone? Never mind that this episode aired four years ago. <laughs> Not a joke. Go to the Critical Role subreddit and look at how much is spoilered out, if mm. you're so inclined. And so there's a segment of these people who are averse to criticism in an almost like reflexive way. There's a reason sure. I, I don't engage with the community. I started but, watching Critical on. Role. So this, on, is, so this is like the D&D &D, like, equivalent of bandmade. I mean, I, you have to get a shot in at them if you feel so inclined, but sure. <laughs> okay, just want to go. Thanks. There's, again, like, it's like you with The Wire. 
but you're a bit more self-aware about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and consequently, allow me to establish that I've been here for a while. I discovered the the live play campaign. Um, I forget the year. This would have been six-ish years ago. My first live episode was right around the time Percy died. Now, lest you believe that I'm spoiling anything, let me remind you, this is a D&D &D campaign. At the time that we meet all these characters, death is an inconvenience, not a permanence. <laughs> That's and very true. And every one of those characters in campaign one dies at least once. Now, whether it sticks or not, wait and see. Watch if you're so inclined. But that's around episode 60 to 70, somewhere in that range. I forget exactly mm -hmm. which one it was, but that, that was my first live show. It was when I got, I caught up and I, that was when I started watching live. And I've pretty much been there ever since. Mm -hmm. So little under 50% of campaign one live, all of campaign two, all of campaign three to date. So I've been here for a while. So I'm about to speak critically about this, and just want you all to know I am not some Johnny Come Lately here to dump all over your favorite thing. I've been here. That'll be positive tomorrow. and negative. <laughs> I'm not dumping on anyone's favorite thing tomorrow. That is no <laughs> one's favorite thing, and don't you dare insinuate otherwise. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So, so, let's... Hang, so the, the <clears throat> long and the short of that is, I wanted to be here because I had concerns. Like when they announced they were going to do the show, they were going to do an, an animated adaptation. And it took me a while to figure out what my issue was. Like, why other people are losing their minds. You know, why why am I not? And I figured it out. And it's not terribly relevant to the discussion here, but in order to really kind of hammer home wh whether or not I was correct about it, whether or not I felt right about it, I needed to talk with someone who watched the animated show who had never seen the campaign. Oh, that's me. It's my role tonight, other than directing traffic. <laughs> And mostly because like, if you've seen the campaign and then you watch the animated show, of course, it like you get everything you're supposed to get. All of the in-jokes, all of the references, they all make sense. Because, you, But how, much, how well does it stand on its own, absent knowledge of the source material, so to speak? And that was a bit of a concern I had. And again, I, I, can't, I can't hit myself in the head and forget it. So I need to talk with someone who's not seen it all right in this particular case that winds up being you so and i also don't get to talk about you know this a whole lot and there's a variety of reasons for that but it's a thing that i was interested in and turns out i rather enjoyed it so hey there's that watching the show we're going to dovetail directly into that now because we're like almost a half an hour in <laughs> um hey you guys had a lot to say tonight so I'm watching the animation style, and it kind of reminds me, um, I'm not talking directly content. Please don't jump all over me when I say this. I'm talking strictly the aesthetic, the animation style, etc. It reminded me a lot of Castlevania. Um, it's, the same, it's the same studio that did Voltron. That okay, that, Voltron. that was the other thing I was thinking of. Like, it, So it had that Americanized anime style that we see in Voltron Legendary Defender and then in Castlevania. So that makes that, that all tracks. So I'll go to you first, Ronnie. Just a quick word. Um, were you satisfied with the animation style when when you're watching, you know, the old Critical Role campaigns and you're thinking maybe, what if this were a television show? Is this what it, you wanted it to look like, or were you disappointed? There's no other way this could go down than what it had, what it what it has right now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest with you, D and D is full of. Uh, how can I put this? Um, there's only one way you can you, you can discover if that works is is if you just try it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could have one person go, "I want to jump to the moon." Well, I mean, like, let's roll the dice and see how it happens, and somehow he succeeds. Mm-hmm. It's not that's you know, of course, not really how you know how it goes down, but um, you know, the the just with the the fantastic monsters that they're going to fight with, you know, dragons, and hopefully, like, we'll see some mimics and 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 goblins, ghouls, and you know, everything else in there. I mean, like, the only way you could do that is animation, mm-hmm. and. Um, well, the animation they, were, they picked out was. Well, I was going to say, hang on. There are tons of different styles of animation out there. I can, I can, quick, I can quick grab Alexis if you want, and she can give you a a long hour. Hell no! Lesson. But let's keep. And, <laughs> let me finish what I was saying. In um, all the different animation styles. But this is more aesthetically pleasing to their. Uh, take this as take this for what you will. This is more aesthetically pleasing to their fans. Okay. Uh, and I and I agree with and I, and it's just it's pretty it's fun, and it is it's not a it's not a bad little uh, you know animation style either. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, let's go for it. I mean, I wasn't disappointed in it. I mean, I think it was like if they did it in the in the essence of like they did Shira, the new yeah. Shira, I would have been completely disappointed. I'd been like, what are y'all doing? You've ruined everything. Um, <laughs> I hate you, burn. Not really. I wouldn't be like that. I just wouldn't have watched it. Right. Um, but I think what they picked was was it, it matches the campaign. It matches the style. It matches everything else. It just it's fun. I mean, it's great. What um, about you, Robert? They could have done like the He Man style. They could have done the Shira style. They could have. There's a couple of different animation styles out there. They could have done, you know, compute completely CGI, computer generated. They you know, like Pixar-ish. Um, there's a there's a like I said, there's a few different ways they could have done it. I think they chose largely the correct one. Mm-hmm. Um, you could. I don't think you could go full CGI with this. They didn't have the budget oh, for it. Yeah. They did not look. If you want to do that, I'm not saying you can't. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that's expensive. Right. And they did not have the budget for that. They could have gone um, robot chicken with it, just on action figures. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm just, just saying that was a choice. But you're saying this is the best of, of of all the choices. This was the best one. Um. I mean, short of getting short of doing it in like the style of Bruce Tim. You know, the okay. kind of uh, the Batman, the animated series kind of style, yeah. which I'm a bit more partial to personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, I mean, because the new He-Man revelations for as god awful as that thing is written, uh, the animation style is a bit more in tune with like the 90s X-Men, you know, the kind yeah. of hyper realism. And splitting the difference you know, between kind of the hyper realism and the more, uh, again, the more obviously cartoony was not the worst way you could go. This also lends itself a little bit better to being able to save the budget in certain places so mm-hmm. that you can d- devote time and energy to the big action scenes that need the time and attention. Ronnie, I was actively watching this and thinking about questions I wanted to ask you. Sure. And, you know, I, I remember playing D&D when I was a kid, and I won't go into uh, an anecdote or anything about that. But I do remember everyone, you know, acting out their parts. I remember playing a bard and one of the DM asked me, great, do you know how to play guitar or anything? Or like, are you going to actually sing a song? And I'm like, wait, what now? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I I get that when you're playing, when you're role playing, you really do have to get into it, and there is a fair bit of um, drama that has to, you know, that has to happen, or it's really not a fun that that much of a fun game to play. It kind of just becomes craps, you know. You're yeah. throwing dice, and um, one of the things that took me ba- that really took me back was 
again, when I played with my friends, they, we, we didn't really curse. We, you know, we tried to speak as, you know, old English as, as we could, as right, we could right. you know, muster up when you're in late junior high, early high school. And the first thing that jumps out about me is, sure, you have that sort of Castlevania voice in the twins that they're yeah. doing. Everyone's super serial. I know but where you're going you have, with this. But then you have, like, the gnome character who's, like, banging broads and there's boobs <laughs> akimbo. And, you know, and he's sarcastic. And, like I said, there's, there's bits of cursing here and there. And it sounds very modern. And they would kind of flip between the two. And I... I thought it was interesting. It took me out of the show a couple of times, but really? not in a But when I say take me out of the show, you're setting a fantasy element, and you're supposed to take me away to another world. And they would, and those were the moments that reminded me that that's not what's happening here. That this is still yeah. very much. It was a reminder that these are very much real people playing playing beloved characters in a fantasy board game instead of keeping me in the world that they created. I don't think that's totally a bad thing, but it, it it is an interesting take on the fantasy genre that is supposed to be otherworldly. What do you think? Sure. I I, I prefer that, actually, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Um, I, it, it adds to the comic uh, comic relief of it. I, I enjoy yeah. a little bit of comedy with my fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you watch the first campaign, um, that's you, you can't help it when you're playing D and D. Me personally, I can't help it when playing D and D. The little quips, the little things come so naturally when you're playing mm-hmm. that you 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 can't help but have a little bit of modern you know modern speak and with your you know these and thous and thous. You know, not right. everybody you know spoke out of the King James Bible back then. Right. Uh, you know, but that's how we that's how we envision it. Um, but I, I just think it's fun because it shows to me it gives the characters more character i mean I say, there's more relatability yeah, there's I, I relatability kinda... there absolutely when when you're sitting there watching the the very the opening and it's like you know land, you know uh long ago there were lands blah 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 mm-hmm. and, and he's just going into this i'm like wow this is getting into it, it was pretty serious and then a rock drops on the guy and he explodes <laughs> underneath him like what the fuck and i was like okay i know this now you know i was like because that's exactly how everybody would react and mm-hmm. then it was just one of those things where I was like, okay, this is this is hysterical, but also very graphic. Um, <laughs> because I really did not realize how much blood there was in campaign one until they animated it. Yeah. Um, but uh <laughs> it was it, it, it's it, for me, like I said, it just adds relatability, it adds humor, and you know, it makes me a little more comfortable around it. Is that what you wanted, Robert? Did you want there to be sort of the coffee cup on the set of game of thrones moments that remind you we're having fun with this it's not the wheel of time or the lord of the rings you know it it, it is in fact people who animated their D campaign or did you or did you want it to be more like wheel of time and lord of the rings and whatnot uh i didn't quite have the same reaction you did to it i suppose okay. um for me it was just the different characters interact differently mm-hmm you know, uh, Vax and Vex have a more polished upbringing. Yeah. So does Percy. So they have different voices and different outlooks and they react differently. Then you've got Scanlan, who, you know, grew up in a traveling minstrel act, basically. And I, I'd say this in the traditional sense, not in the potential yes. racist sense. Not in the Al Jolson act. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind well, of where But he- how funny would that have been if he started playing Mammy on his uh, mandolin? Not very. <laughs> <laughs> I'd laugh. <laughs> it, it, 
that'll distract the orcs in the next season, I'm sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. Mammy! <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it, for me, it was it, it's just how the different characters react to the... And, you know, different people from our world, you know, speak differently, mm. react to things yeah. differently, mm. etc. So it, it was a bit more of that for me than something that actively took me out of the world in the same way it did for you. But I was also never... Whether you consider this a failure of the show or not, I suppose... I was never sucked into the show. Okay. Uh, and I think I think some of the tone might have been part of it, but I I was never immersed. And okay. well, again, whether that's the show, whether that's me, who knows? Can you can you extrapolate on that a little bit? Why? I thought the show was engrossing. You seem to have had some difficulty with it. Just really quick, like ten words or less. What about the show didn't hook you? Um, I think I think part of it is a tonal thing. Okay. Uh, too, too jokey. Not just too jokey, but it's kind of where the jokes fall. Okay. And I'm so grateful there's at least two moments in the show where they take that whole notion and shoot it in the head. Okay, so there were Thor Ragnarok moments, but not enough yeah. to where you where you're Thor Ragnarok about it. Yeah. Okay. A hundred percent. And that again, that's to the credit of the people who wrote the adaptation of the material in question. Here's where the jokes are appropriate. Like, hey, look, it's Vax and Grog hitting each other in the balls. And that's funny. And <laughs> that it's, was really and, funny. And it's done at an appropriate time. And, oh, by the way, Grog can't count. So when he says, you know, three to seven now, that's just <laughs> what he thinks it is because mm. he can't count or read. As he will tell you, he has an intelligence of six. Yep. <laughs> but when he tries the same thing when fighting Lord Briarwood, it comes across as the shallow, stupid thing that it is as the vampire lord just kind of laughs at him and then stabs him again. <laughs> okay. Ronnie, um, let's talk about the actual story here. We have our introductory arc, you know, which gets them into the king's service. And then uh, they go off on their mission. Their mission turns into a mystery, a mystery that needs to be solved. And it turns out it's a personal quest for Percy. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, we have the little gnome uh, cleric who is on her own person personal quest of self-discovery and mm -hmm. reconnection to her faith. And those are the two main stories that sort of coalesce at the very end. Mm -hmm. um, one, is, is that right on with what the actual campaign was? Did they, did they uh, do any sort of creative licensing with it? Or was it pretty much right out of the... Right there's out of the a, there's always going to be some creative licensing with it, mm -hmm. but very small. Ashley Johnson, as an actor, um, was actually on a, a show. Uh, I can't remember Last what it's called. Spot. Huh? Blind spot. Blind spot. So she would have to be absent from the um from the show from from the, the game a lot. Okay. So they, they did send her on a bit of a, a personal, you know, she, realization she's quest. She's yeah, the she's the cleric. Okay. She plays Pike. And then on uh, the Pike occasion, she could get back. Yeah, she could, or uh, she would she could Skype in. Skype in. So that, this, that's where the that's where the astral projection thing co comes yeah, from is Matt okay. like that's she'd say, funny. hey, she'd say, Hey, I can make the game tonight, and Matt would have to go. Okay, how can I justify this when you're literally on another continent, an ocean away? <laughs> well, sure, you're close to your god, and your god sends you over here. Well, can, I mean, okay, can, so can we talk about that for a second. That's not how astral projection and uh, that I've ever. Okay, I I, I hate hey. when. Wait, hang on. I hate when the rest of the world does what I'm about to do, but I can't help it right now, and I have to be that nerd. But everything I know about the fictional thing that is astral projection in the fictional stories I've read about it in, it never works that way. You're still like 
translucent and ethereal, yeah. not physical. If I may. You may. Astral projection doesn't work like that in their world either. I think okay. that this is one of those things where I imagine some other character will tell them what it actually is at some point in the future. Because, <laughs> ast because astral projection in the game is actually a ninth level spell and you project your character into the astral sea, which is a different plane of existence. And that's a whole other thing. They call it that. That's not what it is. Mm -hmm. Or, or he's the DM. So it happens. Right. Look, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. This is only an issue of language. I, I get it. <laughs> I, I, I'm okay with God said it's cool. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, words matter. Please continue, right. Ronnie. I get it. I get it. Um. So anyway, um. So out of the out of the people that are in the campaigns, mm -hmm. my fa or in this campaign, my favorite characters that they wrote, wrote are Grog. Sure. Because Grog <laughs> is smarter than what you think, and mm -hmm. he's a very passionate character. And he's played that by that way by Travis Willingham. Uh, Percy is another one, mainly because um, I just like to see the the the, uh, the the like the the straight guy in the comedy duo or the uh, the buttoned up um, uh, you know uh, refined person get a little dirty every once in a while, mm -hmm. you know. And, and they turn when they turn into a badass. That's really cool for me. I, I like that, and that's what he does. They call him actually in in the campaign when they were playing it. They called him No Mercy Percy <laughs> because he would just pop people in the head for you know whatever. Um, and the gunslinger class in this was created by Matt Mercer, and I, and I love it. I love that class. Um, I, that really threw me for a loop, Ronnie, because I vaguely remember what the classes in D and D are when I from when I played. So, whatever sorry, it's a subclass of a of fighter. Whatever the addition was in the late in, in the in the late eighties, early nineties is the one I was playing. And I was like, and so when he pulls a gun out, when he pulls like an old six shooter out, I'm like, I don't remember that in D D because that's what I would have picked. <laughs> like y'all can fuck with swords. I'm gonna get a gun. Uh, so, <laughs> but if you, want back, he, if you want the backstory on that, like uh, when they invited when they invited Talison to play. Because uh, Talison was there for the first game. This whole thing started as a one-shot for Liam O'Brien's birthday that Sam Regal arranged. Okay. And they all just love doing it. Gotcha. Uh, when And Talison was there for the first game because he's close with Matt and Marisha. Okay. Um, and when he decided to, he was going to, you know, when they started making it more of a weekly thing, uh, he didn't like the character he was playing. He wanted to play something that was interesting. And Pathfinder does have a gunslinger class. Okay. So when they ported it over, Matt just created a subclass for the mm -hmm. fighters that he and if you watch the first several episodes of the campaign, that is very much trial and error. There's a version of it out on the DMs layer right now if you want to get it. Mm -hmm. But that was that was a lot of tinkering that Matt had to do on the fly. Like, okay, no, I don't like this. We don't like how this works. Mm -hmm. Here's the mechanics involved here, et cetera, et cetera. All right, go ahead, Ronnie. Um, so Percy, Grog, and Pike are my three favorite characters. Scanlan is okay. He's, he's just Scanlan. Scanlan's great. I was going to say, Mark, you, uh, if I were to bet, like for yeah, you, it's Scanlan or Grog. Like, that's it. Those are your two. Uh, but like, I, I like Scanlan, but every once in a while, it wasn't until the middle of, of not the middle, but I mean, like, I guess it was the middle of the, of the season or uh, season one, I say season one, but the, uh, campaign one where um sam finally got a call of the character mm -hmm. and said uh he, the character died. he he discovered his long lost daughter and he told his daughter i will never leave you i won't I, you know i'm not going to die on you don't worry and he died in battle 
twice. So they knew they could bring him back. And so what they did was they dressed him in a dress and they put like custard all over him to make it look like, yeah, they, they had a party in there. Um, and then they brought him back and his, his daughter saw him like that. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, can you go downstairs for a minute? And then he said, hey, who brought her with you? And they were like, oh, that wasn't my idea. You know, it, was, it was Vex that said that it was my idea. And he goes, why the F would you do that? <laughs> you know, and he's he absolutely goes off. He uh, he looks at each character. He said, um, he said, Percy, we basically we fought vampires to fix your um, uh, for your, you know, to make you feel good about yourself. Vax and Vax, we did this to fix your daddy issues. We went into hell to find, a, a, a you know, some armor for Pike. And we did this and we did this. And what have you all ever done for me? Nothing. I'm the funny little man that you can laugh at and tells funny stories and, you know, and tells inappropriate jokes. You've done nothing for me. You're not really my friends. And basically, you know, he was like, he was just finally got a hold of the character. And then he's like, you know what? I think I need to go. And he switched characters in the middle of the campaign and blew everybody away. And I was like, that's when I was like, okay, Scanlon's awesome because he's not just being used as the comic relief anymore. He's an actual character. He's got depth. Um, and that's what I like to see out of that. That's when I started becoming a Scanlon fan. But those are the, those are the characters that I really like um, mm-hmm. because I like their, I like their, their role players. I like their, the people who created them. Um, so, so a Percy arc is, is absolutely, you know, I, I was ecstatic when I found out what they were doing, you know, the Briarwoods. Uh, the vampires, you know, with the with the undead giants and you know people <laughs> hiding in their houses and everything else. I was like, oh, and I'm a, I'm a horror fan anyway, so it just puts me in the mind of uh, the plane of existence called Ravenloft in in D and D. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like Ravenloft. This is so cool. Um, which is one of my favorite settings. You it's know, for Lord Soft to come out. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, this is so cool. You would really dig um, Von Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, by the way, the new book. Okay. They redid Ravenloft for 5e. Uh, you can create your own uh, plane of existence in Raven. You know, it's crazy. Um, but uh, it's just one of those things where I was like, this is really, really sick. And I was really, you know, with the whole thing, I was pleased that they did it this way. And um, but uh, but I, you know, knowing what's coming up and everything, I'm excited to see what they're doing. They haven't deviated much from from what I can tell from you know from anything uh, in the story. Um, of course, it's been a long time since I've I've seen these episodes. You know these the of them playing these sessions, but uh, it, it you know from my memory, it hasn't really it has they haven't really changed anything drastically for me to go. Oh, hey, hold on, where did that extra member come from? Right. No, hey, there, you, go ahead. Finish well, up. I was just say there's one thing in there that I didn't know that they were going to do or not was when they went into Whitestone and there were um, there were people hanging from um, the sun tree uh, mm-hmm. in the middle of Whitestone, and one of them was a child. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if they would actually do that or not. Because, like, I've, I've said in my games, I'm like, hey, no no violence towards children. Uh, you won't see them die. You won't see them, you know, anything like that. There are, oh. certain, ga- there are certain things in my game I don't allow, and that's one of them. Mm-hmm. And I was you like... Could, you could never play with Marisha. Oh, she kills kids all the time in hers. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a joke at the expense of the character of Keyleth, who pre-stream yeah. killed a kid, yeah, uh, entirely on accident, and then actually kills the youngest sister of Vax and Vex in the in like the penultimate battle. Yes, uh, but it's it's one of those things where it's like, um, 
I, you know, they've, they've left things in there. They've been bold in my opinion. Mm -hmm. They've been really bold in this. And I, and I've enjoyed every minute of that. I've watched of it. All right. Before we before I go over to you, Robert, about the story elements, I just want to quick remind everybody that hey, if you're writing a D and D campaign like mm-hmm. Ronnie does when he does his DMing, I bet <laughs> he uses Grammarly, don't you, Ronnie Adams of the Misfits I... and Miscreants? Yes. <laughs> Did you know that Ronnie is on TikTok? Did you know that when Ronnie plans out his TikToks, he uses Grammarly, don't you, Ronnie? Sure. Did you know that Ronnie's on Twitch? And when Ronnie streams on Twitch, he reads from his notes that he wrote with Grammarly, didn't you, Ronnie Adams, of the Misfits and Miscreants Twitch and TikTok and whatnots? I don't like it when you make me lie. <laughs> Why do you lie to the people, Rattledge? Don't take my gimmick, Mark. <laughs> for you listeners of Ronnie, me, brother. for you listeners of Ronnie's Twitch. Uh, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered helps uh, products help people communicate more effectively, like Ronnie Adams does. He'll show you how. Grammarly helps write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. It will even help you roll a new character when you, <laughs> when you, you kill yours. Back- it'll help you write their backstory, if nothing else. <laughs> When you kill yours 20 minutes into your very, very first campaign in high school and make Mike Mastermaker really mad at you. <laughs> um, <laughs> to download... Hi, Mike. That was too da- specific. <laughs> to download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. Robert, I'm kind of just going to leave it open-ended to you because I'm sure you have a lot to say. Just talk to me about the story, you like it, dislike it, issues with it. It's an opportunity for you to kind of get some stuff that you've been waiting to talk about off your chest related to the story. Um, well, let's start with the show before I get into one of my larger issues. Sure. And bear in mind, when I say larger issue, that's a it's a bigger issue with a much broader topic than just this show. So as far as the show itself, um, they... The first three episodes are all pre-stream material that's, you know, dealing with the dragon and then finding out that it's actually the, you know, the council member voiced by um, David Tennant, which I don't know why people lost their minds about that. Um, David Tennant's worked with Sam Regal in the past. Like Sam Regal was the director for the most recent DuckTales series. You'll oh, you'll okay. find that, that Critical Role fans, critters, don't know anything past Critical Role. There's a lot of them that's very true of. Look, the only thing... Here's the only... Hang on. Here's the only thing about that that I saw that I kind of appreciate. Someone's theory... Someone's kind of fantasy casting for the rest of the Chroma Conclave then was all other actors of Doctor Who. (laughs) All the the people who played the Doctor. I hate Doctor Who. (laughs) Somehow, I think that will be the most controversial opinion expressed tonight, not mine. (laughs) So, thank you. And I will... Glad I don't even say it watch, again. I don't even watch Doctor Who. This is one of those rare corners of of fandom that I'm like, I don't know what you're all getting excited about. Uh, anyway, neither here nor there. They yeah. so that was all pre pre stream stuff. Some of those first three episodes didn't quite work for me. Um, I because. felt like they had this. I felt like they rocketed through things that should have had more progression. Okay. Are you basing um, that on what you know to be true or what you feel no, like this, this, the story needed my, more the story needed yeah. more 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 room to breathe just because this is more this is more about writing. the story. 
Okay. That, that's okay. much more about the story than it is about you you skipped over X interaction between an NPC and another thing and then Matt it, like no 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 this is not me going that deep okay. into it. And again, that's all pre-stream. No, anyway, you're you're so. talking purely film craft. Yeah. Like, the, you blitzed through a bunch of stuff there in terms of character progression and what character progression and narrative progression and character decision making that you leapfrogged a bunch of stuff because of time constraints, narrative constraints, and frankly, what stuff you have access to as far as licensing goes. The entire first arc of the campaign, if you watch it live, the first two arcs are an adventure in the Underdark and then a brief trip to Matt's in-world equivalent of Jerusalem. Now, you can't do that stuff on this show for a very specific reason. There are things in Dungeons and Dragons that are not copywritten by Wizards of the Coast. You can't copyright a dragon. You can't like the elves, orcs. Like these are all things that you can't hold a copyright to. Here are some things that you can and Wizards has. The Underdark, Mind Flayers, Beholders. These are things that you will never see anywhere outside of approved Wizards material because they own them. Mm -hmm. Same thing with your Pantheon of Gods. This is why all of the gods in this campaign set in the adaptation are referred to by their titles, not their names. You have the Everlight rather than Serenray because Paizo, which owns 3.5, which, own, which owns Pathfinder, owns Serenray. In fact, when Matt did a campaign setting guide for 5e, he had to change the name of that deity. He's not Pelor, he's the Dawnfather because, again, Pelor is owned, Pelor's Greyhawk, I think. So Pelor is owned by Wizards of the Coast. He's the Whispered One. He's not Vecna because Vecna is owned by Wizards of the Coast. So I think he'll become Vecna, though. I doubt it. Vecna's Vecna's a specific named character that is copywritten. Here, here's my thing, though. Okay, well, go ahead. Thing, I, I, I'll, I'll follow it up. If any that. one of these umbrella companies steps in as producers, then this becomes null and void. So I don't really want to get in the weeds on it. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm not saying there's no way you can change that. Mm -hmm. I'm saying this is why they haven't yet and why there's a bunch of stuff they can't do. Mm -hmm. What ingratiated the, the party to the emperor in the campaign was not stopping the dragon. It was stopping a demonic invasion, including a bunch of them that had possessed his, him and his family and stolen their souls. Which makes you understand why the Emperor is suddenly a bit more amenable to giving them something as impressive as a keep, why he trusts them. Here, we have to rocket through that a little bit, and consequently his decision-making becomes a bit more suspect. Okay. Certain characters, uh, as far as what they do differently, certain characters have different positions or introduced differently. That's minor stuff that doesn't matter. Like that, that's just, you have to adapt from one medium to another. Things change. So be it. But it there's things there that I thought were not given their proper due, narratively speaking. So okay. that was a bit of a problem. Once we get to the Briarwood arc proper, things flow a bit more easily. And I've still got minor issues here and there, but they're a lot smaller. Um, yeah, I, I, you asked what they changed. Yeah, they changed stuff, but... I mean, the entire journey to Whitestone was different. Pike's not there for any of it. She's already, uh, Ashley Johnson had already left to do her thing. They completely wrote out one of the characters, which is understandable given the baggage that that player and that character have. So going to leave that alone. The, yeah, I kind of left that out because it doesn't really matter at this point. They, they changed things aesthetically to, to, they changed it to be more aesthetically pleasing. I can, I can understand why they rocket for through the, the first two episodes with the dragon, uh, mainly because, Oh, you can make that I, an entire season. 
That's also why the blue dragon doesn't look like a blue dragon if you go by D&D canon, because you don't want to piss off Wizards of the Coast and get them into a lawsuit about you can't. So help me God, I thought it was a robot the way they animated it. <laughs> Not The other 3D animation later is better. The dragon mm -hmm. kind of got the shaft as yeah. far as what it looked like. Just. Uh, not the best animation job. Um, well, again, once we get to the Briarwood arc, things flow a lot better. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got reasonable... You have reasonable decisions being made in the sense that not all of them are reasonable, but they're all understandable. Uh, the undead army attack is acceptable. Again, there's a few things that they have to tweak, but that's just the definite... That's just what you do when you adapt material. You have to tweak it for the new medium. Mm-hmm. I remember I remember the moment Pike joined the fight against the undead army in in the in the campaign not the not the not the animated series and it happened almost it happened almost just like what happens in the animated series because I Pretty remember much. going that's badass because when she did her whole turn undead it just it became destroy undead mm -hmm. which is a higher level you know I was like that's really cool um, so, you know, th there are things in there that yes, they've changed, but then there are things in there that there are the, the coolest points where I'm like, okay, they didn't change that. So that makes me really happy that I forgive everything else past this. Um, you know, so that's why I'm like, I don't remember the things they, they really changed mainly because I haven't watched campaign one in a while. I haven't gone that far back. And a lot of it was pre-stream. Like you said, the first two episodes are, you know, leading up to this uh, were kind of pre-stream for what it was. But um, it was just one of those things where I was like, okay, that makes up for everything, you know? <laughs> but um, it, it's, it is a, um, it, the minor changes they had, uh, they had a player that was problematic that they had to excuse from the stream, from the game. Um, uh, another voice actor who got into a lot of trouble and lied about a lot of things and, did a lot of things that were inexcusable at the time. And they told him, go get help. Mm -hmm. you, you, you're not allowed to come back until, you know, you're not allowed to come back, but we love you and we need you to go get help now. And uh, so. All right, Robert, go ahead and, and um, take the rest of the time, just a few more minutes to, with whatever other points you had, because I do want to talk about uh, some of the character relationships. And then I think we're going to close up. So go ahead. Um. I, as far as adaptation goes, which is kind of how I have to approach this in some respects. Mm -hmm. I one of my big concerns about this was I I thought about it I, again. I had some concerns about the the entire um, notion of turning the the campaign into an animated show. I kind of you know, why am I trepidatious about this? And ultimately, it's because I don't watch Critical Role for the story they tell. The reality of campaign one, campaign two, and to the extent the campaign three has been going on, look, you may not, people may not like to hear this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. They're not great stories. They're not bad, but they're not great. Okay. You can find better. You can find much better without too much difficulty. The magic for me is not the story. It's the game. It's a bunch of people having fun. It's the chaos that comes with the game. It's hanging on dice rolls. Again, it, it, it is the magic of the game, not the story itself, because the story itself is whatever. Mm -hmm. You have characters that are a bit more fleshed out than you would find in a lot of other places. Again, this will vary depending on story, but 
most D&D games are relatively poor stories when you look at them from a purely narrative perspective. There are dozens of hanging threads. Things loop back on themselves. There are dead ends to nowhere. And that's because it's not meant to be a story. It's meant to be a game. And there are plenty of things that go into gameplay that make for poor stories if you're looking at them as stories. Now, you tell a great story at a DD and d table, and you should. But I'm of the opinion, and this is where I... I am probably in the minority about this opinion. But you tell stories when you play D&D to facilitate the gameplay, not vice versa. And there's a movement in the entire hobby that is the opposite, that feels the opposite. And that's fine. Play how you want to play. Do what you want to do. This is my opinion about that. And consequently, when you take all of that... Hang on one second. You're, okay. you're harruffing, Ronnie. Ten words. Why are you harruffing? It, it seemed like let you... Him, let, let him finish. Okay. Uh, again, just to be abundantly clear about what I just said. Everything that... You should tell a good story when you play the game. If that's what you and your table want to do, you absolutely should. Make rich characters that you like playing. Have a world that you guys want to play in. Have a DM that's engaged in all of this and willing to work with you. All of that is great. It's what makes the game so good. But if all you want to do is tell a story, write a book. If all you want to do is act with your friends, join an improv group. If you want to play a game, D&D is a game. And again, there are people who disagree with me, and there are plenty of tables that have a very different perspective, and everyone has a great time, and I am not here to dump on anyone. Relative to the show. Relative to the show. I was worried that they would lose the magic when you had to translate something where the magic is very much the things that don't fit in a narrative. It's okay. some of the silliness. It's some of the stupidity. It's Grog and Vax getting into an epic prank war that lasts years because of <laughs> one moment in the Underdark when Grog trips Vax and Vax rolls a natural one <laughs> on his deck save and face plants into a puddle of mud. Nice. And that leads to Vax shaving off half of Grog's beard, which he only gets because he has a belt that is magical because Goliaths don't have hair don't anywhere. Have, don't have, yeah, hair, body hair. Yeah, he shaves off half of his beard that he's been struggling to grow and is very proud of. And it, I, you wouldn't really put this into a narrative because it bogs everything. Again, you wouldn't really put this in. You would find an adaptive, an adaptive way to express the character relationship. Mm -hmm. You would not dedicate five minutes to the rogue sneaking into the barbarian's room and stealthily shaving half of his magical beard off. Okay. For the sake of time and argument, I'm not I mean. going to argue that point with Again, you, if you because if you it see would what get... I mean. No, and, and I do, and that I I want to I want to say this. People have, people do, people will in the future. It sometimes leads to it's kind of the you know the this is your life rock moment. It's not something that should have ever been done in wrestling, but the one time they did it, it worked, and every time they've tried it since, it's failed. You can do stuff like that to say that you can't is lunacy. But you're not wrong when you say, yes, if you're going to spend that much time on character detail and sort of minute points, you there you you better do it in a way that's still engaging. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Please and, and again, like I chose an example there that everyone likes mm -hmm. and is funny. And actually when Vax when Liam did that, Travis mm -hmm. was so mad he broke the mechanical pencil he was holding. <laughs> um snapped it in half. 
Yeah. Nice. Travis Willingham is a large man. <laughs> he, he, he was linebacker big. I mean, he played football and everything, you know, for Texas Christian. I shouldn't know that. But uh, I like him as an actor. He's a, he, he is anything animated, video game, whatever. He is Thor in the, in the Marvel yeah. Universe. Yeah, if it's animated, he's Thor, um, which I find impressive. Start to rock, um, Robert. Yeah, yeah. And so that was my concern. And I think they did about as good a job as you could in translating it. They're, they find ways to take the stupid moments that are what make D&D so great and weasel them into the show. Sometimes it fits, sometimes it doesn't. There's a bit when they're looting the Blue Dragon's Horde and Scanlan finds a troll dick. <laughs> now, this is decent enough for a stupid chuckle, but it's only there because the party actually carried one around in their bag of holding after they had an encounter. Sure. And it, Again, like you get a chuckle out of it, but you kind of wonder, like, was that really the best use of time and money? Then, absolutely. Okay, to your point, there, it sounds like one of your issues that you have with this show, from a craft perspective, is it's a little too self-indulgent at times. Oh, at time in very in few in a few places, absolutely, that's a real problem. There are places where it works so much better. The bit with Scanlan and Vax and Percy trying to get into the prison Mm -hmm. when they can't open the door. Okay. Is is taken from a bit in that same arc, where they can't those, open doors. Let's put it that way. Where, where those same characters are trying to open a door that is just literally barred from the inside. They Can can't, I, they can't well, fail. They fail. Their, that's their, what I was gonna. Damn it! I was yeah. gonna ask you that. Is that because they kept like trying to pick locks and they kept failing rolls? Oh, every well, roll. Again, there's no lock to pick, so okay. the, mm-hmm. the rogue can't use his decks in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them winds up going. In, Scanlan. Get, Scanlan gets inside, but he's too—he's a gnome. He can't lift this giant block of wood that's barring the front of the door. Can I ask a real quick question? Why did they go with gnome and not Kender? Because I—he says that he's a gnome in the show, but if you—if I had not heard that line of dialogue or had it not been said, I would have sworn on my children he was a Kender the way he was acting. Kender's and not actually a five E race right now. Um, they took Kender out because it was too much like a halfling. So he's not a he's not a Kender because Kenders don't don't exist. Got right, it. but okay. but coming soon, there there are rumors that Dragonlance is going to get a five E treatment, and it's not just rumors. I think it's pretty much they they've uh, released enough. They, they've yeah. got some unearthed Arcana stuff right now. That's Dragonlance. That Kenders are coming back. Yeah. Uh, you, sorry, Robert, you were saying I just needed to ask the Kender question. Yeah, and, absolutely. No, so and again, they didn't do it in that same way because in the campaign, it's those three characters going to an abandoned temple to Paylor in a graveyard and they get ambushed by a banshee. And you cut this because it's a narrative sidetrack. It's a great gameplay moment, but it would suck to, like, why? Why would this be in your story if it's just a story? So they take that element because it's a great element. It's hilarious. They can't open this stupid door. They're all too weak. They keep rolling poorly. And finally, Scanlan pops like a fifth level spell to <laughs> undo this block of wood across a door. <laughs> so they take that bit and they appropriately adapt it into another situation. So you, they do do a pretty decent job of keeping the magic in play. Uh, again, the magic, the kind of the spark of the show. And I, I do want to give them credit for that. It's a great. They adapted this about as well as you could adapt it. There's a couple of things they take from later material that I think they would have left in if they were more confident about having more seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, 
one line in particular that Percy delivers here is um, it's out of place and it feels out of place. And it, it's the, you know, I, I live as long as Whitestone lives. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's out of place. And, it, and you don't even have to know what I know, which is where that line actually comes from in the campaign setting. Well, in the camp, in the narrative of the campaign, I know where he says that line. And it's a great line there because it's part of the conflict between him and Keyleth. They're having a debate about the nature of civilization and whether or not a city has any value. And Percy's standpoint is civilization is what we leave behind. It, it is part of us. It's worth fighting for. And Keyleth is kind of like, no, a city is pointless. It's just a, the only thing that matters is the people. And Percy's point is Whitestone matters. And I might be just a small human who's barely going to live to be 100 if I live that long at all, given that we're fighting dragons. But part of who I am and part of what I have left behind in this world lives so long as my as my legacy is here. And it's a relevant point. It's a valid point. And again, it goes to that conflict here. It's kind of thrown in because it's a cool Percy line and it doesn't quite fit the moment. There's other great Percy lines that do. I mean, that bit when he tells Professor Anders, you know, yours is the face I saw when murder entered my heart is a straight line from the campaign. Talison said that in character right before he killed that Talison character. dropped some amazing lines, like in character in the middle of oh, the yeah. campaign. The and, all, he, and, and this is all ad lib? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He, I mean, he's just a good actor. He's just, you know. This is what happens when you... I mean, he, this like, is what he, happens when you get professional actors who yeah. are trained in improv and theater and and the dramatic arts and whatnot. Yeah, they also do. They, they loves do that great stuff. He loves like in campaign two. He plays a character. Uh, 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 oh gosh, Molly Mock. Which one? Uh, Molly Mock. Yeah, Tea Leaf. And Molly Mock is this. Um, uh, help me out. What what race is he in that? He's a tiefling. Um, tiefling. It, he was a tiefling who was very flamboyant and. Uh, just loved him. You know, he was playing another uh, homebrew class called a blood hunter. He had, you know, two swords, which he juggled. He was a, he was a, a you know, um, kind of like a circus folk, you know, kind of deal. And his character ends up dying. And he say, actually, I, he I actually was sitting there and he was like, uh, he looked at, at Mar, uh, Mar, uh, he looked at uh, Matt Mercer and a few others. He says, I think I need to be excused from the table. Hmm. And he said, yeah, I think you should, you know, go, you know, take care of yourself because he I, was uh, so into his character. He was like, oh, this is devastating. He took like four weeks off the game. <laughs> it took him that long to find his second character. Yeah. Like he had it ready fairly soon and they just bumbled around and didn't, didn't go to where he was for a while. Robert, uh, I don't know how much more you had, but I want to, there's something I want to bring up and then I want to start to wrap. So right. really, really, really like five words or less. Um, just real briefly then. Um, there's places in this show where the animation kind of makes my eyes hurt. Really? It's in the small places and it, okay. it's in places where you can afford to cut the budget, but I noticed it. Okay. Did, did you have this problem with Voltron and uh, yeah. Castlevania? Yeah. Okay, so, I, it's we this talked, style of, so it's this style of animation kind it, of falling apart at times. It's not so much a stylistic choice as it is a, again, it's kind of a budgetary and time constraint. Okay. The places where you, where the animation really matters, they go all out. The fights are right. all brilliant. They're all great to watch. They do great stuff with the 3D camera. Like I'm, the, the big, beautiful stuff is big and beautiful. It's more in a few small places where there's characters that just move 
mm-hmm. with like nothing but like they almost like jump frames like there's okay. there's places where that stuff kind of had where those corners kind of had to be cut i guess and it's small and i think you have to be me to notice it but i did notice it so i do have to mention it again the lion's share of the show is very very lo- uh, nice to look at the final, uh, like their their confrontation with Orthax has some absolutely gorgeous artwork attached to it. In particular, uh, that was great. So we we talked about how you know, obviously because you know big sex pervert, uh, I like Scanlan. I think he's hilarious. But um, the other character who is maximum my favorite character is not Grog, um, though I do find him rather amusing. No, my favorite my other favorite character in this is Marisha Ray, who plays Caliph of the heir of Ashari. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought she was great from the moment you meet her and she's barfing beer to you know to she has this really really great hero's arc where she learns to use her power and she's able to save the the team and all of that she has a really nice and this is what i wanted to just quick touch on she's a really nice love story with um uh vax and it's so i wouldn't get too attached to that so much of the hollywood (laughs) love story is overwrought and hackneyed and shoehorned into many places like why is this you know it's something that like pitch meetings and um why why are these two people why are these two people attracted to each other well they're both attractive people right yeah because they're the male and female leads in the movie that's why um and this felt natural but it felt natural in a very like high school like you know awkward we're shy boys and girls kind of a way like you know you you expected one of them to turn to the other and go so do you like stuff yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, like leaving notes in each other's locker and that sort of thing. And it was it was totes adorbs. I loved it. Um, I don't yeah, I don't they're... see authentic, awkward love. I either very polished or it's almost pornographic. Yes. And, and I don't mean yeah. pornographic in the kind of man. You know, I mean, it's just like pornographic in the like just so straightforward that to is not be believable. You know, yeah. like to the lowest. Uh, common it is entirely. Denominator. Don't you don't you understand? It's entirely believable that I can pay for this pizza by delaying <laughs> you for thirty minutes. I, oh God, I, uh, I, I'm not okay. I will say this. Uh, you know, I think he does well. He's a good actor. He's a good. He's a good role player. He's good. You know, game player. Not a big Liam O'Brien fan who plays who plays Vax um, mm-hmm. because I feel like his character's Vax. Um, Caleb Wittergast. Again, he kept reminding me of one of the lead characters from Castlevania. That's all I heard every time he talked. Because he plays the same character in every game that he plays. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is a wild mischaracterization. No, it's not, because he plays the exact same emo uh, getting my feelings boy every time he plays a character. And that's... Hold on, hold on. Vax is a whiny emo. That's absolutely true. So is Caleb. Caleb is a character. Hold on. Caleb is a profoundly traumatized character. There's a wild difference between Vax sulking about, well, I'm a half-elf and my daddy didn't love me enough and wah, wah, wah. Well, I mean, Caleb, like your dad... my mind was messed with. Hold on. Was... Now, hold on. Hold on. If you can and do I that, was... I can too. Hold on. Right. Hold on. Hold on. So you're saying that a father turning you away after your mother dying and saying, I don't love you, get out of here, is not traumatic either? That's not what happened. It kind of is. That's how you can no. see it. Allow me to. Here's what happened. So anyway, what I was trying to say was, I'm not a big fan of his role play in that in in his characters in that sense. But when he gets with Keyleth, that's when I'm like, okay, I dig this character a little more because it's it's cutesy. It's 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 like you said, it's very it's very uh, junior high. It's very you know, it's one of those things where like uh, I I enjoy that. But you know, not uh, to be political moderator here, but Robert 
like one minute to get, do what you were trying to say before you guys started talking over each other, and then I got to move this on. Yeah. Right, okay, very briefly. Caleb is a profoundly traumatized character who is Liam's take on what it means to be deprogrammed from something like the Hitler Youth. He His mind was messed with, literally, because there are spells that do that, and he was convinced to kill his own parents for being disloyal to the Empire. He killed his own parents, and then the memory charm was broken, and he realized the horrible thing that he had done. And it's him trying to put himself back together. Again, Vax is kind of whiny. Okay. Caleb is profoundly trauma. Can I weigh in here as the mental health person? Trauma is trauma. There are levels, though. There are, you know, there is the, I, you know, I saw the Holocaust upfront trauma. And then there's the, my parents were emotionally neglectful trauma. They're both traumas, two different levels. And that's okay. all I'm going to say about that. I, I, and, and, and I, I think, that's, I think I that settles the, the discussion okay. here. And the other thing is related to the chronology. Mm hmm their father did not turn them away after their mother died. Their father picked them up when they were teenagers to give them expo exposure to their elven heritage. Father's elf, mother was human. They were in Singorn, the elven capital. They ran away from that after a bit. And when they got back, and when they got back to their home, it had been attacked by a dragon. It's actually, you know, we're going to find this out. It was destroyed by Thordak, who's the big red mm -hmm. dragon who's about to destroy Yaman as this particular episode ends. And... They never went back. Like their father was a bit cold and distant to them as a parent, but he didn't say, "Oh, I'm sorry, your mother died. Get out." Well, no, but it's just not like he he went, you know, actively after they you know left again looking for them. He's always cold and distant from them, like he didn't love them. And then you find out later on that he's like he's the same way, even when she gets her title from Whitestone. Ronnie, last yeah. licks here. Anything yeah. else you want to talk about with the show? I want to give you the. I want to. I'm gonna you and then Robert, and then we're done. I want to give you the opportunity. The only thing I wanted to mention was that love story. I, I, I again, totes adorbs, loved it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it it definitely brought me along. But it's a, I, it's a really good love story, yes. and I imagine we're going to get um, Percy and Vex hooking up uh, in season two. I hope all naked and stuff. Um, but it's I a hilarious math-related <laughs> scene that I know they're going to do. What I want to know from you, Ronnie, is what what haven't we talked about that you want to make sure that we do before we end? This is last licks. I think we're going to. I, I, this is speculation on my part. I think we're going to get more of a. Um, we're going to get more D and D stuff. I really, uh, at least I hope so. Um, mainly because if you look hard, there's um, the, the uh, Gilmore, the the character that owns the shop that they go to that backs works mm -hmm. with, you know, nonstop. Uh, there is actually the lost the lost sandal of Gygax. So Gary Gary Gygax's sandal is encased in glass and is passed around convention to convention to convention. It's actually going to be up in GaryCon where I'm going tomorrow uh, in Wisconsin. Um, so it's going around different places. And if you look, it is animated is drawn into um, Gilmore's shop, and you just see a sandal in a glass case. That's a glass. That's the lost sandal of Gygax. So there's a lot of things that are happening in there that make me, you know, but you see like um, the uh, Scanlan's hand is actually Bigby's hand. I can't call it Bigby's hand because it's Wizard of the Coast. It's, you know, but now that the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount uh, and and different, you know, the other book, I can't remember. It's in the other room. I'm not going to go get it right now. Now that these the books, Do you mean the most recent one or the one before that? The, no, the most recent one. The one before Call, that had nothing to do with... Call of Tal the Netherdeep. Yeah, Call of the Netherdeep. Ta the Taldori one had nothing to do with Wizards of the Coast. It was put out by a different publishing company. But actually, I have Explorer's Guide to Wildmount right here. I was reading it the other day just because. Um, these, these, these are Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, the, that, that one was done in conjunction D &D. with them. It's an, this it's is an D &D. official campaign setting. Yeah, Critical Role is now D&D &D canon. 
they have taken their stuff and said, okay, this is this is in our world now. This is this is our wheelhouse. This is what you write is now in we'll produce the books for you. So I'm hoping we'll get more D and D stuff in the next, you know, the next season. Because I, I think they started working on this before this was even start, you know, the, this was still in the works when they started animating and making uh, Vox Machina. So, I mean, I think you're going to see more stuff like that come out. I really hope so. But, um, and the other thing is, is like, I'm having a blast watching this. It's irreverent. It's violent. It's hyper-violent. Um, and it's it's definitely geared towards the adult fans. But man, I it's just so much fun to watch somebody's home campaign that they wrote for a friend for their birthday to begin with and just continued on. By the way, Scanlon Shorthalt is his name, and it's a known bard because uh they're making characters and they and and Liam O'Brien said, What do you want for your character? And he Sam goes, I don't know, what's the worst possible race? And he goes, probably a gnome. So what's the lamest net he's what's the lamest race? He's like gnome. What's the dumbest class I can be? He's like probably a bard. And he said, All right, I'll be a gnome bard. And nice. like, okay. And he said he literally went to fantasy name generator under gnomes and went, Okay, I am Scanlon Shorthalt. And he said, That's he said, I created the most generic character I could and fell in love with it. And I was like, that's awesome. That is a fun story. Robert, anything that you wanted to talk about before I put a pause to the cause on this show? Uh, let's see. I'm kind of with Ronnie in that I hope they're able to come to an agreement about some of the licensing issues because there's some stuff that I would love to see, but again, you have to, if some group or company owns it, then they have to okay it. And if they don't, then they won't. Um, I don't know whether or not, again, I don't know the relationship between Amazon and Wizards of the Coast. That might be rockier than you might think. So who knows? Because uh, with Amazon distributing everything for the show, uh, it's uh, I, I'm kind of hopeful that they will, but not sure. Uh, we're probably going to get Logically, we're going to get the Conclave arc for Season 2, and then we would get the finale for Season 3. Uh, so it would just be a three-season arc for the uh, for all the campaign stuff from Campaign 1, which is probably about right. I mean, you're still cutting down... Jeez, there's 100 and... 114 aired episodes. They are anywhere between three and five hours long. So you're cutting down a massive amount of material. But that's one of the benefits of the adaptation process. And one of the things I think that all of the people responsible for writing this are well aware of, they know how to pick and choose what they want to do. They know how to transpose stuff around to where it can fit better and whatnot. So I again, I imagine we're going to get the, the Conclave next, which is kind of your classic high fantasy stuff. You know, The, the Briarwood arc was very personal in that it was all driven by Percy's character. Uh, and for the record, that bit where Scanlan throws his gun into the pit of acid <laughs> actually happened in the game. Callus mm -hmm. and Jaffe still pissed at Sam Regal about that. Mm -hmm. That was an expensive weapon that he just destroyed. <laughs> That's really funny. Hey, Ronnie. I know hey, Mark. I know that you're doing a whole bunch of DMing with different you know groups, adults, kids, uh, whatnot. 
What um, are you still doing? Like rhyme in the ancient Frost Mariners or whatever it's called. Rhyme of the, the Frost, frost Maiden. <laughs> what the crap? Where did you? Those those be... weren't even words. Half of them. No, rhyme of the ancient Mariner is a actually. Is I like I like an, that. It, it's an epic poem that Iron yeah. Maiden adapted into a song that I oh. used with your D and D game. Look, the point I'm trying to get to is what kind of music are you playing for your D and D people these days? Well, here's the funny thing. We have had uh, multiple... answer me simply. <laughs> <laughs> trying to do a plug. I know you're doing a plug. I was trying to help you do a plug. But if you want, it's simple. Oh, oh, battle music. What else, Ronnie, were you trying to get across before I no. Harrius interrupted you? I'm good, man. Uh, oh, God damn say, it. <laughs> Stopping we, we've, had, we've had several absences where we couldn't play, we couldn't progress the story. So we've been playing other... Uh, role-playing games like we played the alien game and mm -hmm. we played uh we played call of cthulhu as well okay. so both of those i had to do different movies different genres of music 1920s for call mm -hmm. of cthulhu and i did uh just your 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 70s space you know horror music for um for alien the, and where the did alien you RPG. Find, where did you find this mood music for your uh, spotify no amazon <laughs> Well, that's great, Ronnie. I bet you used the 30-day free trial that we're giving away to do all of that. I did. Terrific. <laughs> and you, too, can be just like Ronnie and use a 30-day free trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service to play all the music that you enjoy, whether it's 70s space music or 1920s ragtime or maybe something a little bit more modern like Taylor Swift. Who doesn't love Taylor Swift? Robert Winfrey loves Taylor Swift. He'll tell you Mark. so. Why do you lie to the people? <laughs> there it is. Don't lie. Don't lie to the people about my musical tastes. Put it on a T-shirt, Mrs. Lasby. Um, so, uh, get AmazonMusic.com/slash/w2m network is the link in our in the description of this pod, podcast. Please click it and get yourself a free 30-day trial, folks. That is it. That is our review of the Legend of Vox Machina. I guess we'll all reconvene again whenever they get season two out, if and when they ever do. It's been greenlit already. Uh, yeah. you know, as, soon as, as soon as Amazon agreed to distribute season one and fund the last bit of the budget, they immediately said, sure, let's do let's do season two as well. Yeah. So um, season well, two is going to determine whether or not there's a season three. Well, my point being is that with these streaming shows now, they don't follow any kind of strict pattern. Like Green yeah. Eggs and Ham came out like two years ago, and we're only just getting season two now. Stuff goes away, comes back whenever they get around to it. Invincible. It's not, it's not like it used to be. Yeah, Invincible, same thing. Uh, so anyway, tomorrow night, uh, myself and Robert will be reconvening yet again. And uh, You get we, to see a lot of me this week, Mark. Yeah, this is Robert Winfrey week. Um, I don't mind it. I, Robert, contrary to popular opinion, I actually like you in doing podcasts with you. Which is yeah. why I have such a low opinion of you. Cool, bro. Uh, okay, okay. Just, I'm, 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 hang on. I'm ripping on. I am ripping on the old Groucho Marx bit. I understand. Okay, for those of you who don't know, the old Groucho Marx bit is I could never be a member of a club whose standards were so low as to let me as to permit me membership. As soon as you said it, I knew where you were getting at. All right. Anyway, uh, Sourpuss will be joining me yet again uh, for our regular Tuesday night gig. Damn you, Hollywood! But this is going to be a. Uh, the normally we would do the one movie with the three segments, but this is two streaming movies, so we strike the money because there is no money. Uh, we will be looking at Turning Red, which came out on March 11th, and then Cheaper by the Dozen, the current bane of Robert's existence, which came out on March 18th. 
and uh, we'll be joined by David Wright in theory, and also in theory, Alexis <laughs> Pena. They so, may or may not stay for Jeeper by the dozen. They may abandon us. Here's how uh, this is going to go, just for the record. Uh huh. We're going to spend 40 minutes to an hour talking about Turning Red. Mm-hmm. A movie that deserves discussion, whether you enjoyed it or not. It, it, it is worth discussion. It's a quality film as a general rule, and there's things to talk about. Then Alexis and David are going to do the sensible thing. And run and like leave. Jacob. <laughs> Be like Jacob. And I am going to spend five minutes explaining why <laughs> the Cheaper by the Dozen remake is the worst thing committed to film this year. Okay. Um, so tune in for that, which will be a, certainly a joyous occasion. Uh, on Wednesday, myself, and poor Pat Mark Mullen, is going to have to. Poor Mark is going to try and defend it just because he can. <laughs> nice. Grog uh, is going also to. Ale. Myself and Pat Mullen will maybe, maybe not be joined by Neil Blomkamp, Blomquist, Blomslimmy from uh, movies that don't suck and some that do. Uh, also, Stuart Lang is threatening to show up, so we might have a we might have a four person panel for the first time on the Mania of WrestleMania. We'll be talking WrestleManias 18 and 19. We are just about done with this year long series, so uh, I'm excited. You know, we're getting to we're finally getting to the end of this. Uh, so we'll be talking uh, Hogan and The Rock, uh, Jericho versus Triple H for the unified title, and then the, that 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 awful night that Brock Lesnar jumped straight onto his head. Even oh gosh. Um, yeah, all you, had to, all you had to do was wipe down the ropes, guys. All you had to do was wipe down the ropes. All you had to do is not wa- attempt to. He could uh, do it. He could do it. Have you it was three quarters it? away across the ring? Okay, the so issue was part that of, length. The but part of the story is he hadn't. He had never gone that far out, but he had done that. He had done the shooting star press in OVW shit tons of times. Absolutely, did a, bu- he did do a bunch it. in his dark you matches tell, too. You could tell that he could do it by his form. Mm-hmm. The fact that he went so he overstretched himself. He over he over he was it's, overstretched. Rob's point, about the ring, Rob's point about the ring ropes, it, you know, should be taken into account. But also, sometimes you hit you hit a move a hundred, you know, nine nine hundred ninety nine times out of a thousand. That one time you land on your head, you know. You know and you, it was you spend so much it, of your career trying to do belly to belly suplexes, and then hey, you drop Biggie <laughs> on his head and break his neck. Sure, you know. And here's the thing, just just really, 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 really quickly, and I'm going right into the next thing, you know. He almost hits it. Like he basically, like I'm watching it again. It's not like he went straight down on the top of his head. He almost gets there. He just kind of like, like if you're landing a plane, misjudges the ground a bit and kind of slides into home plate. He just <laughs> did it head first. And frankly, it's a Kurt is lucky that he wasn't closer because if he had been closer, that landing would have done serious damage to Kurt Angle as well. Yeah, Kurt Angle would have been spitting blood and bones from his ribs. Anyway, um, in the evening, Robert Winfrey will be back and we will be talking Sabaton, the war to end all wars. How many tanks do you want on this video? Yes. Um, And then Thursday, Robert Winfrey and David Wright are both back and we will be talking Disenchantment Part 4, the final part of the four-part epic. Oh, did, did they? Re- I thought that this was it. I thought they were done. Have you not seen it yet? I have not finished it. No, I'm. I'm almost finish done it, with it, and then under. Go ahead and finish it again. Finish the okay. season. This is not it. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I word on the street was that it was. Who the fuck knows? Um, in the meantime, there's, in the meantime, again, there's no way. There's no way they end it. Like literally, nothing is resolved. And in fact, they land on another cliffhanger. Saturday, we're re-airing one of our earliest um, 
Metal Hammer of Dooms. This is, now, the Metal Hammer of Doom used to just be called the 411 Music Zone podcast. This is the very last of that iteration before we officially became the Metal Hammer of wow. Doom. And this is Fintroll Bloodsvept. We're finally done with 2013. Those aren't words, Yeah, they Shut are. Up. Um, Those aren't words. And then just in the evening words. time on Top Rank Boxing on ESPN, myself and Dan Lasby will be doing an alternative commentary for Miguel Bertelt versus Jeremiah Nakathila. So check that out, even if you don't like the way I pronounce their names. We'll also have a re-airing of our 1995 Oscar debate, Forrest Gump versus the Shawshank Redemption. And hey, next week kicks off like all Morbius and wrestling, all the time Morbius and wrestling. We've got an Everybody Loves a va- uh, Bad Guy for Vampires. She was Bar- a vampire. Baronic, again, ironically, much like when you had me do the Disney Villains Part 1 for Cruella mm-hmm. and there was no discussion of Cruella <laughs> on that episode. Yep. Morbius is such a shit character. There is no discussion of Morbius in our discussion of vampires. It's very, it's tangential. Um, speaking of tangential, we'll have a source material for Morbius, the living vampire on Monday. And then in the evening, uh, myself and Jason Teasley, the protocol son, will be doing a triple feature of some new streaming movies that are currently out. There's fresh on Hulu, the Adam project on, um, on, on Netflix and then no exit back again to Hulu. Um, We'll have an Everybody Loves a Bad Guy for everyone's favorite vampire, Dracula, uh, that Robert did a few years ago. And then in the evening, we'll be back to do two two more streaming movies. Yes, lots of streaming movies lately. This is nothing in the theater except Batman. Um, we'll be doing Deep Water and Windfall. Uh, on I believe Wednesday, those are both on Hulu, yes? Deep Water... No, Deep Water is Hulu. Windfall is Netflix. Okay. And, and uh, then... You and well, me. We'll have our trivia. We'll have our wrestling trivia show, uh, kicking off our week long coverage of all things wrestling related to WrestleMania. Uh, Alexis Haina stepped off this one. She didn't want to do it because she didn't know anything about wrestling. So instead, my wife with the sultry voice stepped in. Oh yes, she was she was the Vanna White of this trivia show. All the boys loved her as they do, and they've invited her back again because she did such a great job. So never mind. Come for the wrestling. Stay for my wife's sexy voice. She did a great job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> probably, probably for the best. Um, I'm gonna anyway. make a joke you've made in the past. That's all I'm gonna say. I mean, I've, I've spoken to her before. She's it's Melissa's awesome. Like, she boy's is awesome. She is she awesome. Is. She, she knows her role and she plays it well. She, uh, speak, <laughs> speaking of knowing bearing her role, in, bearing in mind this is a man who had her at one point do the slave shuffle into frame to give him alcohol <laughs> while we were doing a film review. <laughs> She knew what she was getting when she married me. Um, anyway, uh, in the evening time, we'll be doing a Metal Hammer of Doom review of Randy Savage, Be a Man. Yes, the Randy Savage rap album. It's fantastic. Uh, Thursday, oh, we'll have... <laughs> Thursday, we'll be doing the Four Kings of Boxing, Chapter 9, Hagler versus Leonard. Finally, 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 Marvin Hagler, oh. Marvin Hagler, Marvin Hagler. Finally gets his just desserts against Sugar Ray. Yeah, that, except... Uh, that no. no good Nick. <laughs> yeah, well... We'll see what happens. Um, Friday night, April 1st. I know what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. Friday night, April 1st. Bill Yankovy of That Wrestling Show and my ever-growing attempt to try to get new people into the network will be doing a uh, live stream of the Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor featuring FTR versus the Briscoes and Bandito versus Jonathan Gresham. So check that out. Our live streams are always so much fun. Um, (coughs) And then the weekend that is WrestleMania... 
myself and Christian. Um, so we'll also be doing a bunch of Everyone Loves a Bad Guy, starting with the added, starting with the eighties boom and ending with Modern Times for when whenever it was you did those. Which is it was the the Modern Times one goes up to about early, you know, like the mid the mid the mid teens. Okay, so so bearing so, at that point, we don't even really have the shield. All right. So um, we'll be re-airing one one a piece of those starting <clears throat> starting April first, as a matter of fact. And I'm looking at my calendar again. I actually so, have yeah. a whole I have a whole segment on that where I talk about John Cena being like the the best heel in the company mm. at the time by trying to be a babyface. Okay. Uh, myself and Christian will be doing a a live stream of WWE NXT Stand and Deliver Two, and then in the evening, the Posman and I will be doing WrestleMania's. Uh, night one and then on Sunday night two so that's everything coming up uh, check out all of our canned content from last week some of our St. Patrick's Day stuff that we did our review of Leprechaun for example all such good stuff and then uh, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube or whatever podcast you happen to be listening this listening to this to Ronnie Adams of the Mis Misfits and Miscreants certainly not of the Screaming Boy podcast because he doesn't do that anymore with reason. Uh, <laughs> hey, I've got a Twitch channel. It's called Misfits and Miscreants. Uh, we stream D&D &D and other TTRPGs on there um, on sa every other Saturday. Um, so last Saturday we did uh, Call of Cthulhu. A lot of fun. Had some guest players on there. They were great. Um, in the meantime, while I'm trying to schedule some other content on there, you'll just see my big dumb head playing video games. Uh, here recently, Elden Ring and the, and the suffering that comes from that. Um <laughs> Then um, this week I won't be doing much of your uh, uh, regular kind of streaming uh, because I will be tomorrow flying up to Wisconsin and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday I will be a part of GaryCon playing playing uh, tabletop games uh, in celebration of Gary Gygax's life uh, and hopefully rubbing elbows with such as Joe Manganiello. As, how do you say his name? Joe Manganiello. Um, Matthew Lillard, Satine Phoenix, and a few others. Uh, and I'm, uh, I'm really excited, not because of them, but just because, just one, I get to have a little bit of a vacation and get out of the state for a while. Two, um, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I get to see other, uh, DMs, GMs, and keepers and see how they do things and, and hopefully adapt that into my, my style as well if I like it. Um, and just to have fun and just to relax and play games with everybody. So I will be streaming from there from my phone uh, and uh, just to show everybody what it's about, what it's like. Uh, this is so exciting for me because for the past two years I've tried to go and the pandemic said no. Um, so this year I actually get to go personally, even though we have to be wrapped up like mummies most of the time. Uh, it will be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I, just, I can't wait. I'm, I'm like physically almost shaking cause I'm so excited. Uh, I also have to finish doing laundry tonight. Okay. So Ronnie can finish doing laundry. Robert, do your plugs in like two minutes or less. Well, Mark went over everything I'm going to be on for this particular week as far as podcasting goes. So please do check those out. I cover professional wrestling a few nights a week over at 411mania.com. Once we get done here, I'm going to write up my report for AEW's Dark Elevation. I'm sure they're released. Um, MLW, whatever they do on Thursday. And WWE SmackDown on Friday, where, you know, the guy who only almost crippled Big E is still there on television. Wrestling. 
in a prominent position. Yeah, I'm not, you know, bitter, jaded, disgusted. <laughs> You're also not named Butch. <laughs> that's not, one, that's stupid. Two, it's not nearly as stupid as everyone makes it out to be. Fair enough. Like, no. I mean that, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll be quick. As an exercise for all of you complaining about Pete Dunn's name change. If you can't let him be Pete Dunn, give me a better name than Butch. And don't just say anything other than Butch. You have you you do it. You pitch a name for Pete Dunn that has to work. Okay. And, and finish your plugs. Uh, I also cover um, mixed martial arts for 411 in the MMA zone of 411 Mania. I covered the UFC's return to London Saturday morning, afternoon. Uh, darn good card, actually. So you can find my full report for that in the MMA zone of 411mania.com. And related to mixed martial arts, I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. If you are interested at all in the sport of mixed martial arts and occasionally other combat sports, I talk about them Sunday evenings. The show goes live late Sunday, early. It is it doesn't go live. I have to record it because of the podcast platform that we use. But uh, I record it Sunday evening. It goes up early Monday morning, late Sunday evening, sometimes depending on when I record it because of pursuant to whatever else is going on in my life. So this week, review of that uh, and the good card, a preview of the coming one. The UFC is in Columbus, Ohio for this particular Saturday's event. And there's some pretty good hidden gems of fights on that card. I mean, the main event kind of sucks, but it's heavyweights. What do you want to do? So, All right. Well, folks, thank you for joining us here in our review of all things Dungeons and Dragons, apparently. Um, <laughs> for Ronnie Adams, who for without him, we would not have done this. And for... Robert Winfrey, for without him, we would not have happiness and love in our lives. <laughs> be well. Wow. <laughs> be well, wow. be safe, and behave. <laughs>